Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. It is Monday, the 2nd of May, 2022. And on the show today, joining us as he does every single week, it is Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. Matt just had a feature on Brady House, the number two prospect in the Nationals farm system, the uh, first round draft pick from last season. We'll talk about Matt's feature on him and what he found there and also about the Nationals offensive outburst this weekend. All that and more coming up on the show. Daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, once again, Josh Neighbors here joining us as he does every single week. It is Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington. Matt, how are you, my friend? Doing well, Josh. Thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Um, so you just did a feature on Brady house. Uh, I encourage all of you guys to go check it out. It's on NBC sports, Washington. Matt also posted out on his Twitter and we'll post it as well on ours. Um, and really enjoyed watching it. Matt, what's, what struck, what really stood out to me, we'll talk about his quality of play here in a little bit, but, um, you know, he sounds like he's a pretty low key guy, right? But you juxtapose that with the one thing that was uh, really stuck out to me was his determination to still play shortstop, right? So this isn't somebody who's low-key and is like, yeah, man, I'll do whatever the team you know wants me to win. Sure, winning-type player, but he really does – he really is dedicated to the, to playing shortstop. And I kind of found that, uh, you know, just kind of a little – not saying those two things uh, kind of butt heads, but I think it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition with the – termination on one side but kind of the laid-back nature of who he is as a person on the other side of things yeah yeah it was great to meet the kid uh, i can hardly call him a kid uh, i'm only a few years older but he's 18 years old so still very much a young guy uh, for professional baseball but he's out here and, and, and seems very mature uh and and you, you mentioned shortstop being important to him it's actually something that went back to his decision of whether or not to go to tennessee or sign with the team if he was going to be drafted shortstop was uh, a major sticking point for him from the draft on and you know on draft day when we talked to him over zoom that was one of the first things we said and it's not very often that you know a player makes a proclamation about uh what they want from the organization you know for them for themselves moving forward but brady said i want to stay at shortstop and the nationals even indicated that they might have to move him to third base chris klein uh, from their front office indicated that they might actually have to move him. He said he could be a gold glove third baseman, uh, but that they were going to let him try to stick it short, uh, as was his wishes. And so far, it's a bit of a rough start for him. Does have six errors on the season, uh, but he attributes that to just catching up to the speed of the game. You know, he's noticed that the biggest difference uh, between high school ball and travel ball versus now uh, is just how fast everything is. You know, everybody plays faster, they hit harder, they run faster. Uh, and he's been kind of, you know, adapting to that and playing in shortstop. That's a long throw over the diamond, especially when you're playing deep in the hole. Uh, so some of his errors so far have been kind of rushing himself uh, to make plays and get guys out who are busting down the line quicker than he might be used to throwing them out. So uh, it, it was great meeting him. And it's been really impressive watching, you know, him and his early development because he's been hitting the ball hard and, and swinging the bat well. Uh, one thing you talked about a lot was, kind of, you know, how he's been bred almost, uh, you know, through his, through his kind of childhood playing. 
to be a guy in this spot. And I think it's it's interesting because the speed of the game, I think, from a defensive perspective, is the one that when you go to the pros is going to elevate. But his hitting, on the other hand, really has not uh, – it's, it's been great, you know, in pro, the pro leagues. Now, they say in college where he was going to go play at the SEC, they usually equate SEC pitching. I think it was usually double A, I think is what the equation normally is where when you're facing a lot of those guys in the SEC – but he was on the really high-end travel circuit, right? So he was seeing guys who probably like him were getting drafted or going to play at those you know, high-caliber schools. So did he talk about anything about the transition at the plate and why things have been pretty easy for him as he's now transitioned and, and done brilliantly so far in Fredericksburg? Well, he told me that from when he arrived in Florida last summer to where he is now, he really hasn't changed a whole lot of his swing. Uh, nor his approach. It's really about just been his coaches have been, Hey, you know why you're here. You're a player who we believe in highly. They use the number 11 overall pick to draft him. Uh, so they don't want him to try to change anything uh, where, from what he's been doing. So the whole focus for him at the plate, especially where he's been so successful throughout basically his entire life is just keep on doing what you're doing. It's it's don't, don't try to change too much. Don't try to adapt too quickly. Just go out there, you know, and, and play the way you're used to playing. And if you need to make adjustments down the line, we'll make adjustments then. But so far, it's been all about, hey, you know, just do what you do. And I think for him, like, you know, it's it seems like it's not like too much too fast, right? The success isn't too much. And he made a really interesting comment about the number of people in the stadium. I thought it was interesting. He's like, I couldn't tell you how many people are there. I, I smile when I read that because it's like, you know, I think some people might say that. A, uh, and it's one of those things we have to see, right? Like it's going to be so much different when you're in the major leagues. And you know, think about Steven Strasburg's excuse me first game in the majors. Like how many people were there, and how many people were anticipating and ready to see? It's. I mean, I'm curious to see if he's somebody who's you know has been saying that, and maybe at this point it's true. You know, are you curious to see? Like, is that going to be the same guy that we see? once he's, you know, kind of getting close to the majors and people are pushing for that. And then we finally see him whenever it is in the big leagues for the Nats. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny that you pointed to Strasburg as an example, because when house does come up, you know, the nationals are going to be coming off of at least one, maybe two losing seasons. Uh, and he is going to kind of be part of the wave of, okay, good times are coming. And that's exactly what Strasburg was when he first came up. Now the nationals had been, really bad for really long so it was a bit a uh, bit more pressure on Strasburg especially being a number one overall pick uh, to come through and, and pitch as well as he did uh, but House is going to be faced with similar expectations when he does reach the majors because the Nationals are not going to be you know a contending team adding him to the mix they're going to be a struggling team looking to cement its place on the way up uh, with House as a major part so um, you know, he, he can just say that, you know, you can say like, oh, you know, I'm not really paying attention to the crowd, but, uh, you know, the, from what other people have talked about him, his teammates, his coaches, uh, it does seem like he's very grounded. You know, he's somebody who, you know, just puts his faith, uh, in his game and, and only worries about the things that uh, ultimately he can control, uh, and, and t- tries not to let the pressure get to him too much. And that's exactly the kind of mindset that you're looking for from a first round pick. So, you know, I'm looking right now at MLB Pipeline. They do such a good job over there. Obviously, they know. We know. Everybody should. MLBprospects.com. You know, we all should know, you know, that this stuff is not gospel, right? The the projected year that come up is is not 100% always going to be the year we see these guys. 
Um, and I think for some Nats fans, seeing the numbers, you know, he's putting up and you know it's A, but you're like, man, could, could it be faster than, you know, than we think it is right now? They project him 2024, which like just, you know, I know it sounds like a while off. That's not that far away. That's two seasons. Now, once again, injury, right, positional things, hitting, all of this stuff could change. But I, I think at this point, you know, that that's a that's an okay trajectory. I mean, I get concerned because I'm like 20 years old. Oh, yikes. You know, it just kind of makes, you know, we, we all know Juan Soto is such an exception to the rule. He is not the rule. But, man, it's, you know, it, I mean, this is, you know, it's more than on schedule, right? I mean, 2024, you know, even if he doesn't keep this pace up in the minors, you know, if he shows, you know, still quality at-bats and quality uh, hitting and all that stuff, you know, as he goes along with the minors, I mean, 2024 feels like it's not out of the realm of possibility. Maybe it's September 2024, right? But it's still not out of the realm of possibility. No, absolutely. I mean, House, just coming into his professional career, uh, has already been kind of put on this path of high expectations. You know, he's obviously a number one, number 11 overall pick, first round, everything like that. Uh, but he debuted on the MLB Pipeline Top 100 and several other Top 100 rankings as a top 50 prospect uh, shortly after being drafted. It's not very often uh, that a player is top 50 before they even take a pitch in pro ball, especially for a guy who didn't even get drafted in the top 10. But House, going into the 2021 season, was considered the consensus top number one overall high school player. Now, he did struggle uh, in the circuits that year, and that's kind of why his draft, draft stocks fell just a little bit and how the Nationals were able to get him at 11, but that could look like a real coup. Uh, and the reason, another reason why he's able to move quickly if, if he is able to keep hitting like he is is because of his stature. You know, six foot four, 215 pounds. He is a guy who is big for his age. Uh, Baseball America uh, his Ben Badler uh, talked to him last offseason. He described him as a, a man among children uh, with just how big and strong he is. He's not somebody who needs to grow into his frame. He is already big enough to be mashing homers at a professional level. Uh, and, you know, with we haven't seen him hit too many home runs early on this year. Uh, he was hitting him in the complex league at a couple in that short sample there. Uh, but if that power is something that he can tap into quickly, you know, there's no reason for the Nationals to hold him back. Now, I don't expect them to rush him to the majors by any means. Uh, you know, Soto was promoted from low A to single A. Uh, I believe it was 16 games in. That's a bit premature uh, to be moving house up, considering the Nationals aren't a contending team looking to get help now or anything like that. You know, they can afford to take their time with house as, as the team kind of figures out its trajectory. Uh, but 2024 seems like a reasonable date the way he's been playing. All right, quick word from our sponsors, then we'll touch on some uh, Nationals notes from this past weekend. The offense got it going. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Bet Online and BetOnline.net. If you want to bet the over on goals in each of the, Nash- of the Nationals, in each of the games between the Capitals and the Panthers, which, I mean, I think I'm definitely going to do. These two teams cannot stop anybody from scoring. Uh, you can do that at BetOnline and BetOnline.net today. They've got MLB. They've got, uh, obviously, NBA with the playoffs, NHL playoffs, UFC, Formula One, NASCAR, all of those things at BetOnline and BetOnline.net today. You can access it with your phone, your computer, your tablet, any way you want to do it. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. All right, so, you know, sometimes, I mean, Matt, you got a team that's struggling. It, this, is this, this was the most just like baseball series of all time, right? Nats cannot hit at all. Uh, you know, they, they're losing games left and right. 
And what they do, they take a trip to the West Coast to play a team that at the time was in first place. I know it's a jumble right there out West right now. But I was thinking, look, that ballpark, you know, it's not an easy place to hit, especially if the first game was a night game. That, you know, that, that especially early in the year, it's damp, it's cold. And their offense was was awesome this weekend. They took two or three games this weekend from the San Francisco Giants. Um, what did you see this weekend that you liked? Was it just baseball randomness or, you know, the series in general? Or what was the stuff that you saw this weekend from the Nats that you really liked and think, you know, helped key the offense and getting them going? Yeah, we, we certainly weren't expecting the Nationals to come out and tear the cover off the ball this weekend. They had just come off an eight-game losing streak all at home, mind you. Uh, and now they were about to go on this West Coast road trip that included three games against the Giants, who, like you mentioned, were first place in the NL West coming into the series. They had the most wins in Major League Baseball last year. They also had swept the Nationals during this past homestand. Home uh, so they had already gotten a taste of what the Giants could do this year. Uh, and Alex Cobb, who really dazzled in his first two starts to begin the year, was coming off the injured list to make a start. So it really didn't seem in the cards for the Nationals to come out and have a good series, but that's exactly what they did. They, they tore the cover off the ball. They had six players with at least nine plate appearances over the series, have a batting average of 300 or higher. They saw good starts uh, from Aaron Sanchez and, of course, Josiah Gray, uh, who came out on Sunday and, and really shoved for the Nationals to the point where we weren't sure he was going to come out for the sixth inning, came back out uh, and threw a 1-2-3 frame, looked really fired up. Uh, and, and really is, is shown early signs this year of being the pitcher that the Nationals traded for last last summer. So, uh, you know, lots of good offense, good good uh, performance from a young pitcher they've been looking for. Tanner Rainey has continued his lockdown uh, performances in the back end of the bullpen. You know, there are things to like about this team that's not necessarily a great team and not one that's going to be winning two out of three games against playoff contenders every weekend, but certainly an encouraging series for the Nationals as they go into Colorado. Even on the day where they lost, you saw it. Logan Webb gave up 11 hits, right? Even in the game where they lost. So you could see it, the Nationals, just on offense. Yeah, I mean, that's what the problem for them is, you know, the bottom of the lineup. They've had so so many issues generating offense from that part. And to see, you know, a, a three-hit game for Alcides Escobar and Victor Robles, who has been doing, you know, he's been on fire as of late. Lucius Fox gets both hits number one and two in his professional career. On and Sunday, yeah, and stole it. Yeah, exactly. And I just have to say, like you know, despite the offensive stuff, still, if you're a Nats fan right now, I I feel like every five days, like watching Josiah Gray is kind of the thing right now. Like that that's kind of the one thing as somebody watches them, you know, all the time. Like that's what I look forward to the most. I kind of like to see, okay, what's he going to do this time? How's he going to learn and develop and adapt? And you know, this was one of those outings where he has more walks than K's, right? But only gives up one hit. And looked really strong. And, and this was, you know, one of those starts where um, the Nationals, even though they scored five in the first, like they didn't, you know, they didn't have to. And they got a good start. They, they didn't have a game where they had to, you know, match runs with somebody. Um, and so, you know, I'm not sure if you agree with that assessment. Do you feel like right now every fifth day, Josiah Gray, it's kind of the, the thing that to watch right now if you're a Nats fan? Yeah, I mean, especially with the way Juan Soto has kind of been struggling lately. You know, he's kind of the main draw for the Nationals, certainly. Uh, the player you're going to hone in on if you're an opponent. Um, but but Gray right now, he's easily been the best pitcher that the Nationals have had out of the rotation this year. Uh, you know, he's a part, a big key of the future. So while the Nationals are struggling, if you can go to a game and, and catch Gray and see uh, what he could bring to the table once this team is ready to compete, you know, that gets you excited. So certainly 
Uh, he's been a joy to watch. He's he's a, a big competitor uh, and, and somebody that you know I've really enjoyed my interactions with, and I'm I'm looking forward to what he's going to bring to the Nationals, not just this year but beyond. What do you make of of the stretch that Victor Robles is having? It started in that game last Thursday against Miami where he goes one for three. Then it has the four-hit game, a two-hit game, and then another two-hit game, all eight hits on the uh, on the weekend, nine if you want to count the game before. He's now hitting two fifty nine, which is which just feels like I mean, you know, once again, average stuff like that, it's not always the best indicator. I think the average in this case is an indicator of how good of a week that he had. The big thing with the Nationals, it's like, you know, let's disperse this, right? Let's spread this out. To me, he's just, he's just seeing the ball really well. And that was the thing, Matt, even when he wasn't hitting that well, the one thing that he did sometimes, and this is what guys like, you know, managers like in nine hitters, is turning over the lineup, right? So if you could hit 215, but get like a, have like a 320, 330 on base, which I feel like, you know, at one point Victor Robles was doing um, at times, like they'll take that, right? As a guy who can just get on and maybe set the table, maybe turn things over. This weekend, he was giving them all of that and more. Just, I thought he was seeing the ball real well. Yeah, you know, the, the thing about Robles, you know, he's not going to hit the ball super hard. That's something the Nationals have been looking for him to do, and he's really not producing these crazy exit velocity numbers. But if he can just focus on making contact, you know, keeping that bo- that bat in the zone longer, trying to poke balls out, you know, over the shortstop, over the second baseman, and not trying to do too much, he can be a very valuable weapon with his speed uh, in the back end of that lineup for the Nationals. You know, somebody who can flip it over. He's batted ninth a lot this season. He's kind of bounced around between eighth and ninth for them. You know, if he can be that second leadoff man, somebody to, to turn innings over and, and get things to the top of the lineup with guys like Soto and Bell and, and hopefully Cruz once he gets going, you know, up there, that's going to be valuable for the Nationals. And, you know, what we saw from him early on this year and what we've really seen from him in the last two seasons has been really discouraging for a player that was formerly a, a t- number one overall prospect or top five overall prospect uh, in all of baseball, somebody who put together a really solid rookie year uh, at the plate and on the base paths, you know, not to mention the gold glove caliber defense that he can provide for him to t- suddenly take two steps back uh, over these last couple of seasons. It- it's something that the nationals had to be you know, mortified about, uh, for a player that they had so much promise in. So now they're they're letting him figure things out. And so far, it, it's producing some good results for him lately. But, you know, the big challenge is going to be for him uh, to show that this isn't just a, a phase and that he can, you know, put together a full season. And so far, he's off to a good start. He's got his hands higher in his stance, and that's been really key for him uh, for making better contact, being a little bit more free swinging, as he described it. Um, we'll see if, you know, he can continue to do it. So one guy we got to talk about, because you and I had mentioned, okay, who are these guys that could become assets for the Nationals down the line? Um, and I don't necessarily know if we thought about Yadiel Hernandez, but this guy just hits. You had a really interesting – I forgot what the stat was. Uh, what was the stat you put out the other night about you know Yadiel and what he accomplished the other night? Because it hasn't just been one night, right? It's been – you know he's, he's a guy who's the fourth outfielder, right? So the reps are not going to be as even as they normally are. But – Look, through 50-plus ABs this season, he's hitting 340, and he's driven in 12 runs. So talk about his performance and also that that stat you had the other night. Yeah, Yadiel Hernandez was just the fifth left fielder in Nationals history to have a three-hit, five-RBI game, uh, joining guys like Soto, Ryan Church was on there, Josh Willingham, and Alfonso Soriano did it twice. Uh, so some pretty solid company, some guys who had some yeah. – 
years, uh, you could say, in the Nationals uniform out in left field. You know, Hernandez is 34, so I don't know how big of a role he's going to play in their future. Uh, but for right now, he's he's hitting the ball well, and he's always hit the ball well in the major league level. You know, that's never really been a problem for him. It's really been his defense. But even then, I think he's made some solid plays out there and left. He can look a bit lost at times, no doubt. And with Nelson Cruz basically manning the DH spot, there's really no way to get his bat in the lineup without putting him in left. Uh, but, you know, the, the Nationals have to be thrilled with with what they've seen out of him. And, you know, I think he's absolutely earning more playing time out and left. And the one thing for him, too, is that, you know, he's a guy who's he's team control for him. Like he's under team control next year and then three years of arbitration after that. And he's 34. Right. So this is somebody that in terms of age, uh, not a young guy, but somebody that, you know, if you're going to talk about the trade market might be valuable from that perspective, because of, you know, I mean, you know, the fact that, look, it's not going to be some expensive. And also, it's not technically going to be a rental. It's somebody you could bring back as a fourth outfielder. And maybe even American League teams, you know, they just want somebody else they can have that can hit in certain spots or whatever. I think he presents a, a valuable commodity. I mean, do you think that if he keeps this up, the Nats will look to move him? Yeah, I think that Yadiel Hernandez certainly could be a player that the Nationals deal at the deadline. You know, obviously being 34, he's not going to play a huge role in their long-term plan. So honestly, he is kind of the perfect player for them to deal uh, if he continues to swing the bat as well as he has. Like I said, you know, he's a guy who's hit at every point throughout his major league career and you know, the, the Nationals being a team that is in rebuild mode, nobody can really be considered off the table other than Soto. Uh, so, you know, why not trade the not trade him if you can get something for him at the deadline? I think that, you know, he's brought a good clubhouse presence in, in the Nationals while uh, knowing that he can't play defense very well with the DH being on both sides of the baseball now. Uh, there's 15, 16 more suitors uh, that are in there, could be in the market for his services. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can get anything for him. All right, Matt, uh, that will do it for today's show. We appreciate your time. Where can people find you and all of your work and its variety? Yeah, you can check me out over on Twitter at ByMattWyrick uh, or over at NBCSportsWashington.com. Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. Appreciate your time, Matt. Thank you so much. No problem, man. Thanks.